Some big life changes are planned and others seem to come out of nowhere. Hi, I'm Dr. Effie Anidu. And I'm Dr. Arnell Wright. And this is Dental Soundbites. Today, we're going to be talking about parental leave, disability, and death, and what you can do to prepare for whatever life brings. From the American Dental Association, this is Dental Soundbites, created for dentists by dentists. Ready? Let's dive right into real talk on dentistry's daily wins and sticky situations. There is a Benjamin Franklin quote that says, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. But let me tell you, life can throw some curveballs that you may feel like you cannot prepare for. That's so true. There's some life scenarios that no one's ready for when they happen. We all make it work, but having the right information can really make a big difference. So today we are so excited to have an expert, ADA's Senior Associate General Counsel, Catherine Albrecht. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Welcome, welcome. Before we start, we do want to take a moment to congratulate our very own Dr. Effie on some amazing news. <laughs> Dr. Effie, why don't you share your big news with uh, us? Thanks, Arnell. <laughs> yes. So I was just appointed as the editor-in-chief of the journal of periodontology and clinical advances in periodontology, the two journals of the American Academy of Periodontology. And the same time, in few months, I will be Moving to UCSF, you see, Kathy, on target, the major life changes, <laughs> right? That, that I mean, That's right. three months ago, I wouldn't even wow. guess that would happen. So excited for you. Like, you're hot stuff. I'm, I'm so glad to know you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm super excited. And emails are pouring and people are so nice, so kind. A really, really warm community we have. Well, whenever we see each other in person, I'm going to make sure that I get my selfie and do my little groupie shot oh, and definitely. get my signatures and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. You're a big deal. Well, why don't we go ahead and jump in for today? Hi, Kathy. Can you tell us a bit, little bit about yourself? Tell us what area you specialize in. Happy to. I've been practicing law for 32 years, the last 25 in the area of employment law, litigation, and counseling. I went to work in private practice for the first 18 years of my practice, and I've been at the ADA for 14 years. I do many things at the ADA, but for these purposes, I support the HR function nice. and rather frequently speak on topics related to employment law and respond to questions from our states and speak with dental students about employment contracts. I love to talk, so I'm glad to be here. Nice. Welcome, welcome. Nice. So let's start talking a little bit about our leave. Arnell and I are both parents and I'm sure we had both to navigate parental leave with school and dental career. Mm -hmm. I have two daughters. The oldest one was born in 2004. You know, it feels like it's only 18 years ago, but it really feels as in terms of shifting culture, like a century ago, right? I remember being pregnant and then I literally worked until the last day. I think I, I worked on Friday mm -hmm. and I was in labor for 48 hours, Saturday, Sunday, and I finally deliver uh, early morning hours Monday and it was natural birth. So it was six weeks of parental leave and I extended this with some vacation, whatever I maybe up to eight. And then I went back to work because I could not not go to work. I was in yeah. early stages, junior faculty, you know, tenure clock is ticking. There was no, if you will, at the time, again, 
only 18 years ago, right? But there were not developed policies in academia about stopping the clock mm-hmm. to allow you time to recover. So it was like a boom, boom, boom type of thing. Now, in a personal level, you may ask me, would I like to stay more? Probably not. I would like not to stay more and I would like to go back to the adult environment, but I certainly didn't have the choice. Mm. Oh my gosh. We have pretty much like opposite situations or but similar, but opposite. So for one, I have two boys, right? I had my first, my senior year in dental school. So that was not planned. And so I pretty much, luckily I was preparing for requirements and things like that, I guess in a very organized fashion. And so it worked out that I was very organized with all of my requirements. I had them in January. So this is like right before we were about to to walk. Mm. And I had finished all of my clinical requirements, but I had to come back to do some presentations and papers and just really small things. But I carried all throughout senior year and I took boards and it, it was a very hard situation. Now my second, that's when I had to plan for leaving work. And I stayed out for 12 weeks But I will say, thankfully, like my husband had been working for a long time. He's a nurse in the trauma ICU unit. And that really helped me out. And then COVID hit. So I had situations that kind of like it it was like not the best timing. But then with the things that happened in life, it actually turned out to kind of work okay for me. But I don't think that that's going to be everybody's scenario. So I would love to get super into this conversation with you, Kathy, because I'm sure you've seen it all. You've heard it all. You hear all scenarios from all types of situations, right? That's right. And I'm also a mom myself. My daughter is 21 going on 22. Well, the time I met my second law firm, people knew I was trying to get pregnant. Eventually I became pregnant right at the time when I was up for partnership. We had at the time great benefits and we were big enough to be subject to the job protection of the Family and Medical Leave Act. So from my standpoint, I could take a job protected 12-week leave provided I hadn't taken any other leave in the last year, which it turned out to be the case. So I took 12 weeks off. It was mostly paid but only because I was able to cobble together a sort of short-term disability, which I was entitled to for six weeks because I'd had a a natural delivery. Often it's eight weeks then if you have to have a cesarean, at least under some policies, I think most policies. And then a mix of vacation, sick pay, and other PTO that I had available to me. And in fact, I I did become a partner in the law firm while I was out on leave. But I was responsible for the maintenance of dozens of active cases at the time. So I had to, you know, spend a lot of time preparing to go on leave. Oh, that's amazing. Kathy, while we're on the topic, like what's one thing that all practicing dentists who are about to become new parents, what can they do to feel prepared at work before taking leave? There's a very simple answer to that that has a couple of moving parts. And I think the simple answer is Plan, mm-hmm. plan, plan, plan. And if you need to map it out and write it down on a piece of paper, you know, I remember in terms of various funding sources for how I'm going to be able to take off this long, but some tips. Mm-hmm. And I would say just as a basic starting point, there's a couple of things. Basically, number one, know what it is that you're entitled to in whatever area you practice in. So yeah. that could be the practice policy. You look, you look in the practice 
you know, whatever the policies and, and procedures are in the practice, look those up, dust them off, maybe even put them in a notebook while you're trying to remember things. And the other is, what are your legal rights? And that, again, it, it can be federal, it can be state, and it can be local. There's protections out there, and it becomes a policy development issue, which tends to sort of multiply over time. And there are a number of states that provide for various reasons and localities even provide mm -hmm. for some paid amount of leave for various circumstances or, or provide for a different kind of leave or a sort of job protected leave when there's not, say, 50 employees within a radius. And what about if staff? Any other folks that work in the practice, they have the same rights. And in fact, as a practice owner, it's a little different because if you're a solo practice owner, and you're not technically an employee of the company, like say in a partnership or in a, mm -hmm. a, a solo practitioner, really, you're you're kind of just you're more the business owner than the than the employee. And so there may be a difference between whether you're treated with these various rights as an employee or whether you're treated as a practice owner. Because as a practice owner, you may need to save money and spend money to have temps come in and do your job for you. So that's a whole nother different way of looking at it. But again, it comes down to planning and know what is available to you to start that process. I think that this is a very good point that you're making yeah. to know your rights. And mm -hmm. I think this is, it's actually, it builds a mindset too. Again, going back 18 years ago, I don't want to hide it, but I, I really felt at the time that, you know, oh my God, I have to... I have to make sure that I don't disturb the division. I have to take the minimum time, make sure under, like the, under radar, the radar, not to bit. say that I'm pregnant, make mm -hmm. sure that I got the clinic. So there was a lot of guilt. It was a difficult, difficult mindset. I think mm -hmm. now, I mean, you know, I see you, Arnell, you did it in dental school, you did it after. I mean, I salute you. This is, this is the way to do it. I mean, this is the way that I think that that's why I mentioned at the beginning that there is definitely a cultural shift. I feel that sure. now, you know, you make a decision, it's a family decision, and that's how you roll, and that's your right. It's interesting that you mentioned that, Effie, because I completely agree. I felt that pressure leaving. I, I'm up for partner, and it's like, hey, see you guys in like three months. I'll be, you know, and I'm responsible for a number of different things. The one thing, though, to keep in mind with respect to the, F, the Family and Medical Leave Act, for one thing, and maybe some of the state laws, they can't make you work. Mm. <laughs> if you have a right to work, you don't need to be on email. In fact, at the ADA, our staff members who are on FMLA, we turn off their email. Wow. Now we may call every now and then, but it is technically a violation of the policy to be asking someone yeah. to work while they're on leave because that ain't really leave. Mm, that's absolutely right. right. Hope y'all heard that. Hope you heard it. <laughs> So a couple of other things, if I may, on this yes, sort of checklist please. on your plan, let the practice owner know that you are pregnant, you know, at least at the very least them, because they're going to be the person you're going to need to be planning with. You can't really make someone, you know, tell you they're pregnant, but it's going to, you know, at some point they're going to know. Right. And, um, and it helps to have them involved in the process of planning in a way that works both for the organization and for the uh, the mom going out on leave or the or the person, the dad, the adoptive parent, talk to the practice owner. If you're entitled to the leave, let them know. If you had a coworker who had been through the process before you were, talk to them. 
at the same place. They know the ropes. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, create your own leave plan. You know, who's going to cover for you? And and this you'll do in in collaboration with whoever you need. What's going to be paid? What will not be paid by some mechanism? How accessible are you going to be? I mean, in your mind know the way this is going to happen. Because guess what? You can't plan when that happens. I mean, mm-hmm. I eventually did and when it became apparently popular for people to induce because my mom had been there and she'd mm-hmm. quit her wage job for two weeks to come with my due date being in the middle. I'm like, I, how am I going to, I'm not sure I'm going to have this baby before you leave. <laughs> so planning is important. And finally, anticipate surprises such as early labor. Oh, yeah. So have someone at your organization or someone who has the ability to communicate it. If you start going into labor at the practice, something happens early. There's a there's a situation, a medical situation where you need to go and get care now. Let someone know who's your OBGYN. Where are you going to deliver? What hospital are you going to deliver? Or at home, how are you going to deliver? And let someone in the office know in case there's an emergency. That's so funny you say, because my my second one came five weeks earlier and I delivered in the middle of the night. The next day I was supposed to be in the clinic. I didn't show up. Obviously, I didn't. I I mean, clearly from the hospital room, I wouldn't call them. I had already forgotten about the clinic. But funny story is that because (laughs) I deliver in the same, you know, at at UConn, we are in a, a dental school within the hospital, right? So I deliver in the same hospital. That day of delivery, people somehow found out. I was receiving visitors, colleagues, and and yeah. students, and and I looked horrific. <laughs> it was so bad. Nobody and cares just, about that. Nobody they just want to see the that. baby. Nobody cares. Exactly. Nobody cares nobody about cares. that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can think of a scenario. I know. I don't want to belabor the point here, but I can think of a scenario when I was in transition between one job and another. But then I was pregnant with my second. And I actually told the PO, you just jogged my memory, Kathy, when you said tell the practice owner. I told him and he was totally okay with still bringing me aboard, but I just felt terrible. And and maybe we'll cover this at some point in the episode, but I felt terrible starting a new job knowing that, you know, in like, six months, I was going to be out for three. And so I ended up not taking the position. I stayed at my old. Oh, no. Yes, I didn't take the position. No, I didn't. This is with my second. And I stayed at my old job for a little bit longer because I was like, oh, I rationalized. I said, well, I've been here for longer. I can do the FMLA. I'll have all of this. But again, you just don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. This might be good to talk about. I would say this in that situation, if that practice had 15 or more employees and they told Mm -hmm. you they weren't going to hire you because you were pregnant, you would have had a lot, they would have had a lawsuit on their hands. Oh no, he didn't say that. Because that's illegal. To your point, people need to be alert of this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of women, a lot of families are unaware of the illegality of this statement. Yeah. No, he still said he would he he would bring me on. And it's funny because one of my girlfriends, she was like, oh, my gosh, you're putting me to shame because I didn't say anything when I was pregnant and you were forthcoming about it. And I was like, well, I kind of just feel like they need to know that I'm going to be out in a little bit, you know? So I I don't know. I didn't know how to navigate that. But now thinking back, I probably would have done things differently. (laughs) 
we trust our phones to make purchases and secure data. Why not track your CE and credentials? Organize your professional documents in one place with the ADA member app. Download in the App Store, Google Play, or visit ada.org app. Anyone can listen to dental sound bites, but we have a secret just for ADA members. You get access to exclusive bonus content in the ADA member app. Unlock it today at ada.org app. What if something serious happens to you or a loved one? Let's talk about what you need to know about your disability rights. But first, Gina Goodrow from Protective helps us understand the difference between short-term and long-term disability. Hi, I'm Gina Goodrow. I'm with Protective. I'm a lawyer. I also work and have worked exclusively on the ADA members insurance plans. And today I'm going to talk to you about the difference between short-term and long-term disability insurance. So starting off with short-term disability, a good way to understand if you have short-term disability insurance or if you are think that you may need it versus long-term disability is identifying the waiting period and how long benefits pay. And so with short-term, you would have a very short disability waiting period, usually five to seven days. So it, it acts a lot like extended sick leave, where usually employees who have this coverage will use PTO, like pay time off, to continue their salary during the waiting period, which is usually, like I said, five to seven days. And this type of benefit is payable for usually 90 days to maybe six months. So it has a short waiting period and it has a short benefit payment duration where long-term disability would have the opposite. You would have a much longer waiting period and it would pay benefits for a longer period. So the most common waiting period usually is 90 days, but you can also find policies that would have a 180 day wait. Benefits are almost always paid to retirement age. So 65 or 67 they will oftentimes have a cost of living adjustment to keep up with inflation while you're receiving benefits. You can also find policies that may pay even lifetime benefits. And so how it works just from a practical standpoint, if you have a temporary disability, like an emergency appendectomy, you have surgery, that is going to be picked up and paid under a short-term disability policy very quickly after a five or seven day waiting period. And it will pay through the length of that disability because it should be a six to eight week maximum recovery. So that will easily fall under a 90 day to a 180 day payment period. Under a long-term disability policy, however, it wouldn't even be paid because you would never see it last longer than 90 days. It wouldn't even last two 90 days. So even though it's not specifically excluded under a long-term disability policy, it just would not meet that waiting period to where benefits would be payable. Short-term disability insurance is almost always provided in the employment setting. And it's either a salary continuance where the employer just continues salary during an approved disability or it's under an insurance policy. Long-term disability, that too can be provided by an employer, but especially for medical professions, dentists, or even lawyers like myself, Usually that would be more of an individual policy, something that the professional would purchase on their own. That's really important. So Kathy, what are the first things that dentists need to know about your disability rights? You know, in many ways, it's very similar to what you would do in any situation. First of all, what 
are there any practice policies that apply to this situation? In other words, does the practice have short-term disability? The policy may either have, you have to pay for it with PTO or it's paid otherwise under some policy. So check the policy. And then the question is in terms of what short or long-term insurance policies apply. Now, if you're someone who buys the policy for themselves, then you want to look at that contract that says what you're entitled to and when, if in the case of long-term disability. But again, in this situation, it's probably not long-term disability. So what do the policies provide? And, and in, including that, do they pay your full pay right? Or is it at some reduced rate? Because that can sometimes happen. So you got to look at the policy. And then the other thing you really want to know before you go on is what documentation both of those things would require before you're able to pursue that avenue. In other words, do I need a certification from a medical provider saying that I suffer from a particular condition? You know, how does that need to be related and how does that need to be stated? And that will typically also be a function of the policy of the practice or the policy requirements themselves. Kathy, I have a question for you about the pay rate portion. So for doctors who are employee dentists like myself, sometimes they may not have like a set salary. So what if if they're paid, is it just depending on the language of the contract and, and that's how you determine what the pay rate would be? That's a really good question. And it will depend on what the policy requires, but there are a number of statutes and laws that will define yeah. that. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Various employment laws figure that out differently. It's not uncommon. And the policy will tell you. But as a general matter, what happens in those situations is there will be some mechanism or you can employ a reasonable standard. Often it will be, what is your average take-home pay over some period of time? Got it. And then it will be calibrated that way. You know, uh, workers' comp has the same kind of issue. Hourly wage earners have the same kind of issues. So it will kind of depend on how exactly it is they're paid and what the typically state law will say on how you calculate that or what the policy says. Okay. I just kind of wanted to like make that clear for our listeners, especially, you know, considering graduation has recently happened. You know, we have a lot of new graduates that are deciding where they're going to go and practice modality they'll work in. So that was really good just to kind of clarify for our listeners. Yeah. Now, the only other thing I'll add with respect to the issue of a, of a disability that's specifically correlated with the pregnancy situation Typically, that's more like a short-term disability situation. It's typically not a disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act, but the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, which is a federal law, says that as in the case with the Americans with Disabilities Act, as in that case, you need to make accommodations for known disabilities. And what the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, that, that federal act says, is that you need to treat these sort of short-term disabilities as potential disabilities related to pregnancy. So sometimes that can mean if you have preeclampsia, if you have post-FMLA or post-leave law issues that may be considered a disability, which would in entitle you to a reasonable accommodation under the Pregnancy Discrimination Act. I wonder if the postpartum depression is considered. Yes. Yes. The Americans with Disabilities Act covers both 
physical and mental conditions, and that nice. I, that would most certainly, as does aggravated morning sickness and those kinds of things. Yes, they are covered. There you go. And another important sudden thing that can happen in life is death, right? So you can lose someone very close to you, yeah. um, and and sometimes you know the unexpected can happen, and this person may be your business partner or your associate. So. It's a really very complicated scenario. Mm -hmm. It has many layers of grief. It's the loss of person, but also the, the loss that might affect your business. So what can we do if this happens? If something like that, you know, one of the, it's a really bad case scenario of a business partner or an associate passes away. Yeah, clearly not something that most people anticipate. However, you almost really need to anticipate that if you have an agreement with an associate or with a business partner, because in either case, let's say the associate dies before receiving a final paycheck, that paycheck will go to the estate of that individual either either according to the statute or according to a will or a surviving family. So a business partner is a little more tricky than the partnership agreement should between the parties generally will and absolutely should say what happens in that situation because the same situation applies. Let's say you have a partnership where you're 50-50 partners. What happens when your partnership and you share the profits and you share the expenses alike, what happens to that other person's partnership share? It doesn't automatically go to you. It goes to the estate of the person that has passed. So what typically happens in that situation is that the practice will, as an expense to the practice, buy what's called a key man policy or key person policy. I think you can Google now. But what it means is that if one person of a partnership or a very important person in a company dies, it will pay the organization, whatever it costs to buy out the other person through their estate. So in other words, the proceeds for that insurance policy will pay for you to buy out, if you if you if that's what you want to do, buy out the other person's portion of the practice without having to come up with money very quickly. The other thing I will say about the situation and the death of a practice partner is that Dental practices don't manufacture widgets. They're bread and butter, and they don't have rolling stock or cars and train cars. Or They have a patient base. They have a cash flow from that. You know, you may have a loan on a Zurich machine still, but there's not a lot in assets other than the goodwill of the practice. So the primary asset of a dental practice is typically the patient base and the cash flow that comes from it. Mm -hmm. Now, when someone dies, the last thing you want to have happen is that, you know, nothing happens for a while and that just dwindles and goes away. The sort of spoiling or deterioration of that asset can happen very quickly. And it could happen very quickly, even before the estate figures out what they want to do. So in the partnership agreement, there may also be provisions for, you know, in the event of sudden death of somebody, the other partner has the right to run the business on their own for some period of time and for some circumstances, but that's to preserve the value of the asset, which is the the full worth of the organization. Oh, yeah. That's really important because otherwise, yeah, as you said, if the practice remains closed for a certain period of time, this can be really detrimental for the practice. Right. And if there's nothing in the agreement, 
the best thing to do is immediately negotiate with the family because they will appreciate the fact that you need to maintain the asset. If you're going to be buying it from them, they want it to continue to maintain its value. So there may be issues under state law that will restrict who can practice, who can, in other words, can the spouse run the practice afterwards? Some states will provide that for a certain period of time they can in this situation. But again, that may be something you don't want to stumble on either. If you agree to do this, make sure you're allowed to. Right, right. <laughs> I remember George Costanza on Seinfeld that was uh, like travel to a funeral with his girlfriend. And he really wanted to get from the airlines the low rate or because of a sudden, you know, death event. <laughs> so in the funeral, he was asking for a copy of the death certificate. <laughs> which is, you know, I mean, it's really hilarious. I'm not a good actress, but it's really a hilarious moment. I, I'll go so far as to say that's generally not done. Yes. <laughs> well, thank goodness, right? <laughs> so, well, I have a question, actually. So what is it, what's one thing that you wish, Kathy, all dentists did to prepare for big life events, like what we've been talking about so far? I hate to sound like a broken record, but you really need to plan And, you know, if you're like me and I keep notes on little post-its laying around the place, write it down, put it in a place because you never know. You never know when something's going to come up. And the more you're prepared, the more that does not become an additional anxiety to the already very stressful situation. On the next Dental Soundbites. Where do you go for answers when you have a tough clinical question? We're getting an inside look at cutting-edge testing, new recommendations, and inventions from the ADA Science and Research Institute that will change the way you practice. Plus, we'll hear the answers to the questions dentists ask the ADA's science team most frequently and talk about how you, yes you, can join in on the work they're doing from the comfort of your own home. Well, this was a really, really good conversation, Kathy. You helped us out a lot. And I'm pretty sure our listeners are going to be very, very well informed. And they're going to try and plan early enough for just major life events. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. It was really fun. And I'm glad you got something out of it. Oh, my God. We loved it. It was so informative. Great conversations. Thank you so much, Kathy. My pleasure. If you all like this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend or a colleague. Then subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening so that you can get the latest episodes. You can also rate and write a review and follow us on social media. And don't forget, the conversation continues on the ADA member app. Thank you for joining us. Dental Soundbites is an American Dental Association podcast. You can also find this show, resources, and more on the ADA member app and online at ada.org slash podcast.